daf mem hey amud bez, the potential within each moment, yesh bereira. Well, here we come to one of the most fascinating uh, pieces of, of concept analysis in, in the whole of the Talmud, in the whole of the Gemara, uh, which is at the very beginning of the fifth parik, the fifth chapter of this Masechta of Nadarim, uh, a, a parik called Hashutvin, the partners, and it deals with a situation of two partners in a field, uh, which is possibly too small to divide up in two, or for whatever reason, it cannot be divided into two, which means the two partners uh, are, are partners in this indivisible uh, piece of property, and they make nedarim, forbidding one another to have benefit from one another, or one makes a neder, uh, not to have hana'a, not to have any benefit from the other, or to prohibit the other from having benefit from him. And in this analysis, we come onto the fascinating topic of whether yesh breira or ein breira, uh, which I'm going to explain to you in a moment and try and reach some understanding, which is so modern, so current in terms of, of thinking. So the, the Mishnah says, Ashut two partners, partners in a field, and they made nedarim, uh, they made oaths, not to have benefit one from the other. Asurin The Mishnah says, the Chachamim say in the, in the Mishnah, they cannot go into the Chatzah, neither of them can enter into this yard. Rabbi Leza bin Yaakov, Yaakov has a different view and says, No, they can each enter because when they're entering, each one is entering this yard, uh, the section that actually belongs to him. What does that really mean? So we have to refer to a Gemara in Bovakama, which references the same Mishnah. And there we have Ravina making a statement that Hashutfin Shinadru Hanazu Mizu, this really case, Asurin Likanez Lachatzer, Rabbi Lezab and Yaakov and Mezenik Nasatoshilo, Zenik Nasatoshilo. But my Kamifligi, what is the essence of their argument? What is the principle around which they argue? Because in every Machloket, whether it's a Machloket, whether it's a difference of opinion between Tanaim or Amoraim or Rishonim or Achronim, it's really important to understand what is the principle at stake? What is the underlying principle about which they have a different worldview? And Ravina explains that in our Mishnah, the, the worldview that's at issue is the question of Brera. Rabbi Elzeb and Yaakov Savar Yesh Brera. Rabbi Elzeb and Yaakov says Brera applies, and I'll explain Brera in a moment. And therefore, each one goes into his own piece of property. For Rabbon and Savri in Brera, and the Rabbon and hold that there isn't any, any Brera. What does it mean? Explains Rashi. Kol hecha da'ayil. Every step that this one partner takes in this property, this piece is the piece of property that I chose. Uh, I'm entitled to half of the property, and I'm standing on a little piece of property, which is much less than half, and I've chosen this piece of property. And then he takes another step, and he makes the same statement over and over again, and Brera works. What does Breira really mean? The Ran brings this Gemara from Bovekama and explains the mission, goes into a very classical analysis and exposition on the principles of Breira and how, and how, to, and how it works. What is the real principle of Breira? The principle of Breira is that when a situation is unclear in the present moment, and there are many, more than one at least, more than one potential ways of it playing out, when it finally does play out, we interpret that playing out as to have been present 
from the very beginning, from, from the start. So, for example, if there are a, a man dies and leaves a property to his two sons, but the property is not yet divided, months later on, the two sons divide the property, and now Ruven has the northern piece of the property, and Shimon has the southern piece of the property. We interpret that division to have taken place at the moment of death of the father, although in actuality it took place much later. So we're retroactively applying the choice that was made and the division that was made uh, and making it relevant as from the inception when the, when the dilemma first occurred. Uh, and in our case here, that would mean that when each partner stands on a particular part of the, of the land, we say that is the part of the land that he has owned from the beginning. His partner has no rights in that, in that land where he's standing at the moment. So if we go with the view of Yesh Brera, which is the view of Rabbi Lozab and Yaakov, that we do utilize this concept of retroactivity, then we would be explaining that as each partner stands on a particular part of the field, he's standing in a part of the field that belongs entirely to him. And there are other people that, that explain it um, similarly, but using really a timeshare kind of concept, that, that uh, the, although the field cannot be divided in terms of, of, of space, spatially, you can't feel that say, it's too small to divide into two pieces, but then the two partners divide the time of which they have rights to the field. And when Ruven is in the field, he establishes that from the beginning, this day on Sunday, the first day of Cheshvan, uh, it was decided that I would have this, the rights to this field. And the next day when Shimon is in the field, uh, he says that it was from the beginning, I've had the rights to the second day of Cheshvan. Whether we're talking about division of the space or division of the time, the important thing is that we are attributing the clarity that emerges much later to the moment of inception at which there was no clarity at, at all. And this brings us into the understanding, when we try and understand the reason for it, uh, to the piece of, of, of thinking that is innovated by Rabbi Shimon Shkop, if we've spoken very often in, in his Sefer Shari Yosha. The Sefer Shari Yosha, the, his book of Shari Yosha, deals with, with Sveikot, with how you deal with doubt. And we've discussed in previous shiurim that that's really the essence of all of halacha and all of life. Um, where so much is in doubt. There's so little that we know for absolute sure. And so all of the choices and decisions we make, make are based on assumptions uh, about what reality is. We don't always know what reality is. and what the, We certainly don't know what the future is, but we make assumptions about, about the future. And how to treat uncertainty in a way that has certainty to it, to be able to respond to an uncertain situation with certain choices and certain actions, that's really the subject of, of this wonderful Sefer Shari Yosho. Uh, and he says, And this is the underlying principle in the law of Breira. If we go along the view that there is Breira, and that's the side that I'm exploring with you today, the, the, the side that holds, like Rabbi Lozab and Yaakov, that we do say, Breira, that this retroactivity works, explains Rabbi Shimon because we say the potential for this outcome was there from the beginning. 
Gimel, from the beginning. If you hold that there isn't Brera, this view says, yes, but in the beginning there was no indication of a given outcome. There was no indication that Ruven would have this particular piece of ground or that he would have this ground on that particular day. There was nothing there to indicate this. There was no evidence of it. And therefore, and therefore you can't say now this takes effect retroactively from the beginning. So we, there's no way that we can apply this retroactively. But according to the view of Rabbi Lezab and Yaakov, that we can apply it retroactively, that's because this uh, this actual outcome was there as a potential possibility at the very beginning. And this brings us to an understanding of the potentiality of of every moment, the potentiality of, of every object. And it's something which, which is, is spoken about so much in, in quantum theory. Uh, there's, there's an interesting book written by, by Lothar Schaffer, which is a book about infinite potential. And he, and he writes that potential is part of a cosmic reality that exists in every particle of the, of the universe. When we look at a particle of the universe, we just see the particle. We just see the object, the chair, the table, the stone, the rock, the mountain. But within that object, there is buried, so to say, every potential usage of that object, where that object might land up, who it might belong to, how it might be used, all of that potential is within the object. Just as when a child is conceived, all the potential of that child's life is, is, is buried inside that, the, the few cells that constitutes that, that child's origin. That idea of potential that it, the particle or a moment of time contains with it infinite potential. And when afterwards the potential plays out, or one of millions of potential realities plays out, we can track that potential back to the actuality of the original given moment. That's the fascinating thing about potential. So you find a child later becomes a, a genius, a child becomes Einstein and discovers relativity. That potential was there in the, in the very beginning. The Vilna Gaon becomes the Vilna Gaon. When he was a tiny infant, when he was a fetus, the potential to become the Vilna Gaon was there. So when it plays out, and now we've got the Vilna Gaon in front of us, but he didn't suddenly become the Vilna Gaon. There was the potential there from the beginning. He actualized a potential that was there all the time. And that's the idea of Brera, that when something occurs, when something happens even with an inanimate object, we're actualizing a potential that existed there from the very beginning. And the beauty of this idea is just to take a different view of the present moment a different view of ourselves, a different view of the people around us, our family, our children, our friends, and just to look at each person and think for a moment, my goodness, what potential is there in this person? And it's all there. I can't see it. It's not visible. It's not physical, which is the view of the Rabbon, and therefore we can't take it into account because there's nothing measurable and visible about it. But the view of Yesh Pereira holds it doesn't have to be measurable. We're talking, we're talking about principles, we're talking about halakha, we're talking about a reality that doesn't have to be measurable and, and tangible at the time. It will become tangible. It will develop a physical reality. But at the moment, it's only in potential. But that potential is real. It's, the fact that it's potential doesn't mean it's not real. 
The fact that there are millions or billions of, of potentialities and only one or some of them will become realities doesn't mean that the others aren't also part of a potential reality. And so what's so beautiful about this is just to take a different view of every moment and every person, everything, and look at it as so full, so overflowing, so pregnant with potential that it, that is actionable, that we could develop and evolve and bring out. And our role as, as human beings, our role as Jewish people in the world is to bring out the potential kedusha in everything. Every object is filled with potential kedusha. If an object is used for a higher purpose, we're bringing that kedusha, we're bringing that sanctity into reality. Was that potential there in the beginning? Yes, it was. Was the potential in me to be able to do that and bring that sanctity to reality? Absolutely, yes, it was. And our role is to understand and to see potential and to help develop that potential, to see the potential in a child, to see the potential in a student, in a colleague, in an employee, to see the potential as a reality, as something that's almost visible to me, and to do whatever I can to bring that potentiality into actuality, to make it real, uh, and to understand it. So such a beautiful lens with which to look at the world and reality from the principle of whether there is Bereir or there isn't at the beginning of the fifth paragraph of Melarim. <laughs> 